Today, Ed is asking questions about how often I've seen buyers activate the offset clause in a seller financing note. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone. So Ed was watching a video of mine that came out uh, a little bit earlier this year, uh, net income versus SDE tax cheating adbacks in you, uh, which we'll put a link to here floating somewhere up above. Um, and, and here is Ed's question. I'm going to read the question. Then we're going to get into the background before I, I dive into the question. But Ed asks, question related to the purchase of a business with a seller's note that is subject to offset in the case of material misrepresentation. And he comments on where in that video I was talking about that. Can you explain how this plays out in the real world when I'm assuming the buyer's attorney, since the clause would presumably be drafted to help the buyer, informs the seller that due to their garbage ad backs, et cetera, they are going to default on the note. How often have you seen the buyer go this route, sending the letter to the to the inform the seller? And then how often does the seller dispute and how have these scenarios played out in these instances? Okay, so great question. But first, let's get everyone else up to speed. What, what exactly are we talking about here when we talk about a seller finance note with an offset clause? Well, when you buy a business, you can put some money down of your own, the down payment or your own equity injection. You might borrow from the bank, you know, get a loan from the bank sometimes. And then usually you don't pay for the entire business on the day you buy it. You owe the seller some amount of money. And that if it's, if it's a prescribed amount. So if it's a specific amount of money you owe to the seller, often that will be described as a debt called a seller financing note or a vendor take back, seller note, all kinds of various terminology, depending on where you happen to be. Uh, but it all means the same thing, is that part of the money you paid for the business will be in the form of a piece of paper, this note or a, a debt instrument that will describe that you owe a certain amount of money and the payments and the interest rate and all that kind of stuff will be in that note, in that contract, okay? So what I've said to people many, many times is that that contract has to have a clause in it, an offset clause, which says this note subject to offset in the case of a material misrepresentation or undisclosed or undiscovered liens or liabilities regarding the business. So what does that mean? It means that if you buy the business and then later you find out that the forklift that the seller told you he owned was really leased and there's a leasing company out there that is owed money, it means if you have to pay that leasing company, you can then offset that damage, that extra expense against the money that you owe the seller, right? So it's, it's a protection mechanism that allows the buyer to know that if there's any problems that arrive afterwards, that um, they have this, this way of, of getting justice, I guess, is the way, you know, of reconciling. Okay. So <clears throat> the video that Ed is commenting on, I discussed ad backs, right? I discussed ad backs that people will claim, hey, there's, you know, 
this expense is personal, doesn't really relate to the business, or there's this thing or that thing, and they, they really are part of the profit, they'll add them back. And so in Ed's question, he refers to them saying, you know, what if somebody said, somebody gives you this ad back, and then later you find out it's not a legit ad back? Well, a couple of things. Um, number one, for the seller note to have any kind of weight or value in this offset clause, the seller note has to be of a material amount of money. So if you think about the, the business that's operating, you think about what they do, what kind of size of problem might potentially exist for this business? You want to make sure that the seller note is of sufficient size that the seller wants to make sure that they don't lose that money. So when a seller says, you know, I'll do some seller financing, I'll do a seller note for five or 10%. It's very easy to walk away from five or 10%, right? But if you do a seller note for 30 or 40% of the deal, then the seller wants to make sure they collect on that money. And, and here's sort of the, the cool thing about this offset clause is that when you say to the seller, this is the deal, we want you to finance this amount and there's gonna be an offset clause. Well, that gives most sellers a little bit of pause because now they have to consider several things. They have to consider the information that they're giving you. They realize now that they're going to be held accountable, right? So they have to make sure that they're being honest with you and that they're giving you good information. And number three, they have to be certain that you are qualified as a buyer and that you're going to be successful in operating the business because if the business fails before they're paid back, then they may not get all their money, right? And so it really forces the seller to take a different kind of position, forces buyers to take a different position too. And here's the position it puts you into as a buyer is that it forces you to realize that the seller now is investing in your business. They are taking an investment role in your business by lending you a good chunk of the money to acquire the business, right? And so it does, does several things. This is the biggest you know, accomplishment of this kind of arrangement is that it aligns the interest of the buyer and seller. If the seller is owed a lot of money, then that means that the seller wants the buyer to succeed and is going to be helpful, provide coaching advice, provide feedback, et cetera, and choose the right buyer such that the buyer is successful so that they can collect all the payments. And that alignment of interest is a key thing because if you pay cash for a business or if there's a small note like 5%, the seller really doesn't have an interest in the buyer's success. And so we, we align these things. Now, to... In order for the, the seller to want to do that, they have to believe in the buyer. They have to know that the information they're giving is accurate because they don't want to suffer, you know, on a, from an offset, right, on that note. And they're going to need some convincing. And one of the biggest points of convincing a seller to do something to help a buyer is to make it so that it's in their best interests, right, which often means that the price ends up being higher. And so, so this is why I, I, you know, I talk a lot about seller notes and we talk a lot about them from the advantage of the buyer. And <clears throat> yeah, it's easy to see from a buyer how this kind of acts like an insurance policy, but it's also a big advantage from the part of the seller because it allows the seller to actually get a higher price for the business because now the buyer isn't trying to discount every potential risk that the future might bring into that price. So they're willing to live with a higher price a more fair or market or reasonable price for the business because they've got this insurance policy at play where if there was a misrepresentation and material misrepresentation is a legal term. 
It doesn't mean some little mistake. It doesn't mean some little omission. It means something of a material nature that has a big impact on the operation of the business. So in Ed's question, he talks about ad backs. So, uh, you know, ad backs that are being disclosed at the time the business is being sold, this gives an opportunity for a buyer to investigate them, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And so you should look at those. And as a buyer, if you don't believe in them, if you don't think they're credible ad backs, just discount them in your own calculations. Just don't put the ad back in. Just say, well, I'm going to assume that that doesn't make sense. It's not real. Uh, here's the cash flow that I agree, you know, a smaller cash flow that I agree is there. And then make your offer based on that, right? If the seller says to you something like, oh, um, here are all the expenses related to that. And then after you buy the business, you find out there were other expenses that the seller paid for with cash so that the expenses wouldn't appear on his books. That's a material misrepresentation. You can see it's a very different kind of thing. It's, it's something that they did in order to trick you as a buyer, right? And so that's kind of the meat of it. Now, Ed, uh, let me read Ed's question again before I answer it. Um, he says, can you explain how this plays out in the real world when the, the buyer's attorney puts it in and then the buyer informs the seller that due to their you know, misrepresentation, they're going to default on the note? How often have you seen the buyer go this route, sending the letter to inform the seller and how does the seller dispute it and how have these scenarios played out in these instances? Okay. So um, when I had a business brokerage office, I did 35, 36 transactions. Can't remember exactly how many right now. Um, out of those transactions, every one of those deals except one of them had a seller note with this offset clause. And in only one instance, did there ever was there ever a problem after the deal? Okay. And in that case, the buyer came back to me and said, look, those sales that he said, those, you know, and again, it was a case of like unreported cash sales. So it was very dubious, like this is something I do, you can trust me kind of thing. The buyer made sure that he had a significant seller note, just in case it turned out it wasn't real. In fact, I asked this buyer, I said, if those sales are not there and you default on the seller note and this is the price you paid for the business that you get, are you going to be satisfied? And he said, yeah. So, okay, well, that's the only way I would do this deal. So he did the deal. Afterwards, he said, you know what? I don't believe that the sales were ever there. I think the guy was trying to trick me. He informed the seller that he believed there had been a material misrepresentation and that he wasn't going to say pay any more on the seller note. And the seller responded with silence. Nothing. Nothing happened. He didn't respond in any way. He didn't call his lawyer didn't send the letter back, didn't chase after the guy, nothing. Why? Well, in retrospect, probably because he was lying about the sales, right? And in every other case, everything worked out okay. So why do I think it worked out okay? Because all those sellers understood very clearly what the offset clause meant. And arguing and and fighting for the offset clause in the negotiation and having a material amount of seller financing in the deal is going to create a scenario where the seller is going to provide honest information and feedback because the seller knows that there is a cost 
for not providing honest information and feedback, right? That not being willing to do any amount of seller financing, a material amount of seller financing, in my mind, is a reason not to do a deal. Unless, you know, certain specific circumstances. But in my mind, if a seller isn't willing to do that, it either means that they know that they're not being honest or that they don't trust you, that you're going to be able to run the business. They don't think you're qualified or they just don't know what they're doing. They could be completely ignorant of how businesses are sold. In that scenario, if, if you can't get somebody to give you a good degree of seller financing, then you have to take the position of, wait a minute, what if all of these other risks should potentially arrive after the fact? And then you pull the only other lever you can, which is to build those risks into the pricing. So I don't know if I can trust this. I don't know if I can trust that. You know, when we do due diligence, I always recommend that people look for third-party data verification. So if you're buying a bar, for example, and you examine all of the purchase records from, you know, the state liquor agency or wherever they get their beer from, you can kind of match up their purchases with their sales. You can figure out if that seems to make sense. You can develop your degree of confidence in the sales figure based on what the purchasing was, for example. And then you can look at the bank statements and look at the deposits and see if that lines up with what the sales revenue was, right? So all these third-party bits of information. If there was a gap in there somewhere, if there was a big black hole where I was being told, you know, just trust me on this, and there wasn't a high degree of seller financing, I would be asking myself, what if it's not real? And if it's not real, what is the worst case scenario? And if the worst case scenario means that I would still be happy paying for this business if I paid like substantially less, then you're either going to have to pay a lower price or have a seller note that would allow you to pay a lower price if it turns out that, you know, it was false information and you had to do an offset. So, so that answers Ed's question. I mean, no, it doesn't play out very often, but that's because it's working. It's a strategy that works and it helps to create the playing field where transparency and honesty are rewarded. And that's the best way, in my opinion, to do one of these deals. The, the whole idea that this is a contrarian thing where it's me versus you and, you know, we're sort of in this adversarial kind of stance negotiating over something, take that attitude and put it to the side. Buying and selling businesses is very complex and difficult. You need to take a collaborative approach where it's the buyer and seller working together to allow the business to be transferred in a successful fashion so that both parties profit. The buyer has to be able to earn an income, earn a living out of the business uh, you know, post-transaction and has to be able to get a return on their money and pay their debts and have comfortable cushion in the case of any kind of bump in the marketplace. And the seller has to be able to know that they're going to get their money out of it because of uh, you know, choosing the right buyer and helping that buyer get set up for success. And you know, when you get into a deal, if you feel like it's all adversarial and someone's trying to bully you and someone's trying to push you around and make you do something you don't want to do, like, listen to your gut. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be doing business in, under those kinds of circumstances. And that's where the value of something like a seller note subject to offset is really, really important. If you're thinking about buying a business and you want to learn more about this stuff, um, get on over to um, businessbuyeradvantage.com. 
That's where you're going to find information about my online course, Business Buyer Advantage, and about the coaching program that I offer for people that have gone through that called Business Buyer Adventure. Um, all kinds of resources there. The course is like 13 or 14 hours now. I keep adding new modules. Uh, it's only a couple hundred dollars. And it will teach you what you need to know to safely go out there and buy a business in a risk-managed way. And that's the key. Because businesses, particularly small businesses, are probably the highest risk asset class there is to invest in. And when you go out there, it's not about avoiding risk. It's about managing it and figuring out how you can succeed with a reasonable expectation of, of being successful and manage those risks so you don't get blindsided by something that comes out of the unknown. And, and believe me, in the last couple of weeks, I've released some videos that talk about how some of the things that can get you come out of left field and you'll never see them coming. But this is why we want to manage risk and, and understand what our plan Bs are and all that kind of thing. Anyway, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, I love you all very much, and we'll see you next time. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.